Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Potting the Red Sox, blogging the Red Sox.com podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Campbell. And today, I'm happy to be joined by a special guest, uh, new Red Sox development coach, Katie Kral. Uh, Katie, thank you for joining me today. Happy Friday. How is or uh, how was the weather in Fort Myers this week? Thanks, Brendan. It was decent at the start of the week. It was a bit cold. I think we had like low 60s, high 50s. But by the time we wrapped things up today, it got up to like mid 70s. So definitely a lot nicer than what folks are probably facing in uh, in the Northeast. Oh, yeah, we're bracing for a blizzard this weekend. So definitely. Uh, are you still in Fort Myers now? In Sarasota, actually. So my folks bought a beach house in Sarasota a few years ago. So figured I'd spend some time with them and then visit some family and friends back in Chicago before the spring starts. So speaking of Chicago, you grew up in that area, went to Northwestern. Um, were you a White Sox or a Cubs fan growing up? A little bit of both, which I know is somewhat sacrilegious to say. Uh, definitely love that 2005 team. Uh, Ozzy Guillen actually messaged me on LinkedIn when I got the job offer, which was a pretty cool moment that a eight-year-old me would have really loved and I still did at 24. <laughs> um, but then 2016, working for the Cubs, that was pretty incredible to be a part of. So definitely have loyalties on both the North and the South sides. Uh, personally, I've never been to Chicago, but could you describe what it's like being from a city where you have two MLB teams to support? Because I really can't imagine having that access. Yeah, it's really incredible. I think on any given night, there are different games to watch. You really get a sense of both teams. I think going to Wrigley is a different experience than being on the South side and going to guaranteed rate, um, but both super passionate fan bases, great histories. Obviously, um, you know, if you're like me, you can have one AL and one NL team. And so growing up, we would like take the purple line, um, you know, to go to games at Wrigley. And then on the South side, you know, you're, you're surrounded by a lot of different history. And Frank Thomas was there when I was, you know, really little. So definitely two amazing teams. And, and in Chicago, where there are a lot of people, it's nice that you can have kind of separate loyalties and affinities. And you mentioned the 2005 White Sox team. So I wonder from your perspective, uh, what do you think about David Ortiz, who um, played the White Sox in the ALDS that year on the Red Sox? What do you think about him getting to the Hall of Fame the other day? Yeah, it was super cool. In fact, the press release went out. We were um, getting dinner, me, some of the other coaches, and then some of the folks in our front office. And, you know, the Red Sox were all over it in terms of the quotes and everybody giving Big Poppy his due. So it, it's cool to see him be honored and him be commemorated and a very well-deserved manner. So uh, growing up with the White Sox and Cubs surrounded by baseball, at what point did you realize that you want to make a career out of the sport? I read Moneyball, Brendan, when I was 12 or 13, and that really shifted the paradigm for me, not only in that it was a different way to think about the game, but I think it also gave me permission to question some of the accepted doctrine and orthodoxy in that maybe ERA isn't the best measure of pitcher performance or maybe getting a walk isn't the worst thing in the world. So I think at the time, it really opened my eyes in a lot of different ways. And it made me start to consider roles that would be involved in baseball, even if it wasn't being part of the starting lineup. At what point did you realize like maybe you could shift from pursuing a front office role to as a coaching role like the one you're uh, in now? Yeah, that was a, a very recent realization. I had never considered being in uniform. I had always assumed that my path would be exclusively in the front office, and I definitely am interested in pursuing that track once again, but I think the chance to really be in the trenches and on the field integrating data, I think that will only round out my skill set and make me a more valuable contributor for whatever organization I'm with. So the chance to 
really be with a franchise like the Red Sox. And everyone I met was absolutely fantastic. That sold me in addition to, you know, putting on pants and kind of being in that capacity. That was very new for me. And going to school such as Northwestern Power Five school, um, would you say that helped like fuel your passion for sports a little bit? Because I mean, around here we have Power Five schools, but none are as big as like a Big Ten school per se. Yeah, Northwestern is amazing in that you get a great blend of both athletics and academics. So not only being in a great sports city like Chicago, there is that infrastructure in place. Um, you know, had a lot of great friends in the football team. And they did really well under Coach Pat Fitzgerald. So yes, I I would say that was a huge factor in me choosing to you know follow in my family's footsteps. My grandma went to Northwestern. My parents both have degrees from Northwestern. So my twin sister and I we were dyed in the purple from a young age. Uh, big journalism school too. Yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal J school. Uh, two Januarys ago, you were hired by uh, the Cincinnati Reds as a baseball opera- operations analyst. So um, being there in 2020 and 2021, those were like the two years so far that have been most impacted by uh, COVID. So I was wondering from your perspective, how like the pandemic altered your day-to-day responsibilities there? Definitely. I was really fortunate in that from January until March 13th, everything was in person and I was in spring training. So great time to get to know our coaching staff, Alan Zinter, David Bell, Jeff Pickler, um, Delano DeShields, amazing human beings. Um, and so being able to talk shop with them, get a feel for the um, Cincinnati organization, that was really crucial. And then when we went remote, uh, it definitely was different. I would say that I still was as busy as ever around the same time I started assuming more analytics responsibilities. So we would do bi-weekly touch points with a lot of our different departments, whether that was international scouting, player development. So I uh, would say that the pace did not stop, but it it was a pivot. Um, and then being able to come back in person and have more folks around the office in 2021, that was awesome. And I think, you know, really allowed us to bond as a unit. Was there any sort of sense of panic when the shutdown first happened that March? Because I've talked to guys players, I should say, who had like rushed to get out of Florida or whatever, because they weren't sure if like the state borders were going to shut down or whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, like I remember Friday, March 13th is when I flew out and I got one of the last seats on um, the flight that I ended up taking out of Arizona because yeah, there was a lot of uncertainty. People were super scared. Um, At that point, you know, there weren't even mask mandates. I think we were all just trying to figure out what was going on and some people said it would be two weeks and then we would all be back together. Obviously, those estimates were quite wrong. But yeah, there, there was a definitely a lot of panic. Um, but I think Major League Baseball obviously made the right decision by shutting down spring training and canceling games for the foreseeable future at that time. And uh, when did you say you went back to going in person in 2020 when the summer camp started around then? And I went back in June of 2021. Ah, So the whole 2020 season, it was just remote? Yes. Um, we had like a few folks going in, but super restricted. We wanted to create a quasi bubble, making sure that we, you know, and our health and performance staff at the Reds at the time did a great job of making sure that the players were, you know, their safety was put first and that we didn't have a ton of people coming in and out and risk the spread of out the chance of an outbreak. So um, going back in the 2021 season, did that feel odd at all, having not been going to spring training or anything like that? Yeah, I would say it was a pretty smooth transition. I think because I had built really strong relationships at the start of 2020 that I knew where my desk was. I knew a lot of the folks that I interacted with on a daily basis. Uh, if anything, Brendan, it made it more fun. You know, 
we were able to be in the draft room together. We were able to have um, trade deadline conversations in person. So it was, you know, all of the things that I loved about being with the team in 2020, but you got to watch a game in person at seven o'clock in the suite every night. Uh, was that your first time at Great American Ballpark when you uh, were with the Reds or have you been there previously? I had been there once in 2013, I believe. It was a Reds-Twins game. It was hotter than hell. Uh, I think there were, um, we were in like between third base and left field on the third baseline. And there were like two or three women around us who like fainted from the heat because uh, it can get warm in Cincinnati in the summer. But great ballpark um, right on the river, awesome fan base. Had nothing but great things to say about the Cincinnati Reds. And for the uh, city of Cincinnati itself, I have to ask uh, if you tried any of uh, Skyline Chili while you were there. <laughs> I did try it. I can't say I'm the world's biggest fan, uh, but do love Grater's ice cream. I will jump on that bandwagon any day. Before you were with the Reds, could you talk about your time uh, in the commissioner's office and uh, being a part of the MLB's diversity program? Absolutely. It was an amazing opportunity. Really cool to be part of the macro level conversations taking place at the commissioner's office. So we were tackling, you know, discipline analysis, rule changes, thinking through salary arbitration from a macro level. How do we coordinate the concerted actions of all the individual clubs? Uh, so really enjoyed it, but I did miss being away from the field. So spoke with my boss at the time, who was Chris Young, who's now the GM of the Rangers told him of my interest to join a team. And he was really valuable and instrumental in helping me consider my options and then also think what would be the next best step in my career. And then after the Reds, um, well, first off, what led to you leaving after the 2021 season? Was it your own choice or was it like a two-year contract, something like that? It was my own choice. So I was approached by Google about a position on their global strategy team. Seemed like a really unique opportunity and it definitely was. Um, high-performing team. We were focused on Google Workspace, which is a $5 billion entity within Google that's growing at 30% annually. So really learned a lot from a culture perspective. Everything that's said and written about Google is absolutely true. They really empower people. Um, they're creative. They're dynamic thinkers. So enjoyed it. And then the day after I left the Reds, Brendan, I started getting calls from other teams. And you know, I was very interested in them. They were great organizations. I liked a lot of the folks that I spoke with. Um, but I felt like to leave Google so suddenly, I really would have to you know, have it be an opportunity that I felt like I couldn't refuse. And when the Red Sox offered me the coaching job, that definitely fell in that category. While at Google, what did you uh, use from your baseball experience there? Like, was there any things you learned that in baseball that you implemented? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest skills that I leveraged at Google probably was the ability to build relationships and to be able to piece together different parts of an organization in order to create um, kind of a diagram or a hole in my head. So obviously Google's a really large organism and getting a sense of where everything's situated can be a bit difficult, but I think because in baseball, I'm able to piece together different pieces of information. I, I was better able and prepared, I think, to kind of dive into Google and not necessarily have as large of a learning curve as I would have without my baseball experiences. And then just two months into your stint at Google, you were obviously approached about the Red Sox, about the role you have now. Uh, so I was just curious. I mean, I know on your Zoom call yesterday or the other day, you mentioned uh, talking to player development, baseball development manager, Chris Dacio. So I was just wondering if you could recall what that conversation between you guys was like. Definitely. I was uh, driving from Green Bay, Wisconsin, back to Chicago from visiting my twin sister. I 
pulled over at Mars Cheese Castle, which is this like really famous tourist destination uh, right outside of Milwaukee. And Chris and I had a great conversation. He said, you know, we're thinking of adding some different roles in player development. He mentioned um, like a coaching type of role that would be with one foot in the front office, one foot on the field. And I said, Chris, do you think this is, you know, something someone like me could be a candidate for? And he said, absolutely. If you want to have more conversations, you know, I'll facilitate them. I'll see if there's a fit on both sides. And so Chris really was the catalyst and the one who kind of guided me through that process. Um, Mark Heil, who I worked with at the Reds, he also got me connected with Abe's and Chris. So definitely a lot of people who, you know, gave me an opportunity and facilitated those moments. And I'm eternally grateful for them. Beyond that, what about joining the Red Sox appeal to you? I mean, I know you talked about how classy the organization is, but was there anything else? Yeah, I, I definitely was intrigued by the way that they've built a sustainable pipeline of talent. If you look at the rosters of 04, 07, 13, 18, they are eclectic and they're distinct, but I would say that homegrown talent was a huge reason and cause for their success. So to be able to think and operate in that type of way where you do have resources as a larger market team, but you also know that the backbone of your organization has to be the players you draft and develop. And I think under Hyam, you know, we had some great conversations this week in Fort Myers. I definitely think that's where the organization is heading and I wanted to be a part of it now. And rather than coming in in a few years after everybody's won their World Series rings again. And obviously big part of that homegrown talent, Tristan Cassis. You talked about meeting him in 2018 at the draft at the MLB Network Studios in New Jersey. So uh, what was that um, encounter like at Fort Myers this week, like the reintroduction? (laughs) Tristan is awesome. Uh, It was really fun to hang out with him more this week. Not only is he a phenomenal athlete and hitter, you know, like the, the BP rounds he was taking even this morning were just clean swings, really special talent. I think his swing decisions set him apart too. You know, it's not only the raw power, but it's his ability to think through and proactively anticipate at bats. Um, So yeah, we did reminisce about 2018. Uh, A lot has changed, you know, for both of us, he's won a silver medal. I've worked at Google, probably two things we both didn't anticipate that day in New Jersey, Uh, but I'm, I'm super excited for him. I, I hope that he has a really long career with the Red Sox. Kind of off topic here, but what do you think about the, MLB draft, uh, like switching locations before it used to be at MLB Network Studios, then it went uh, virtual because of the pandemic. Then last year, it was the, at the side of the All-Star game. You think that's something they'll stick with moving forward or uh, like what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely like the idea of a dynamic approach. I think that the, you know, pageantry and the hype around the NFL draft is something that, you know, could be really cool to apply more to baseball. Obviously, there isn't that direct transition from the college ranks to pro ball, well, to the major leagues, like you have in football, where you can see somebody at the University of Florida, and then the next year they can be making an impact on the field in the NFL. Um, but I do like the idea that it, um, you know, maybe rotates or it is held in conjunction with an event like the All Star Game. And going back to Tristan, uh, could you tell a difference, like stature wise, physicality wise? I mean, from a high school senior to someone who's entering his fifth year pro ball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, he's definitely gained muscle. Um, I think, you know, he's got a phenomenal work ethic. So I know that his conditioning off the field has been a priority. Um, I probably have shrunk, if anything, since 2018. So can't say that I match him in that respect. But yeah, I mean, you know, just in terms of the things that you look for in terms of growth and development, he's checked those boxes for sure. You said you like were watching him closely taking a BP or whatever. So were you working primarily with uh, pitchers or position players this week? 
Great question. I tried to mix it. So each day I would try to be with a different group. Like for example, um, I hadn't spent a lot of time with our infield or outfield coordinators today. So it was a priority for me to be with Darren Fenster and Wimbo and see the drill work that they're doing. Um, so then come spring training, I can really dive in, help with those drills, um, you know, add anything that I think we may be missing or things that we really want to hone in on as an organization this year. So I would say each day I would pick one group um, and then really focus in on what we were trying to work on that day um, before rotating the following. Will this be your first time going to Portland or have you been there before or any part of Maine by chance? First time, have never been to Maine, but have only heard amazing things. People say it's one of the best affiliates in minor league baseball. Yeah, Hadlock feels pretty cool, but I mean, you've obviously been to New England before, having worked out on the Cape in 2017. Uh, would you mind describing that experience, being an assistant GM in a Hyannis? It was phenomenal. Honestly, Brendan, like one of the best summers of my life. My twin sister was out there with me. We would lifeguard during the day, and then around three or four o'clock, I would head to the ballpark, um, you know, for batting practice and for side sessions. So really cool. Um, great talent on the Cape that summer. Nick Sandlin was on our team. Alec Bohm was in the league. Nico Horner, um, who obviously has done great things with the Cubs now. So that in combination with working with coaches, working with players, um, I had an amazing mentor, Tino Giovanni, who just recently passed away from COVID. But, you know, he really took me under his wing, exposed me to a lot of different things, not only how the Cape worked, but also, you know, way to conduct yourselves, way to carry and yourself in a professional setting, uh, you know, just one of many people who have fortunately like really taken an interest in my development and my growth. Well, yeah, Hyannis is one of the places I want to check out the most on the Cape. I've been to a few of the uh, fields, but that's definitely at the top of the list. Um, that summer, did you, did they do the, uh, like the scout day at the Femway? They did. It actually got into, um, it got canceled because of rain, uh, but I was in Fenway. Everybody drove out there. And then after like an hour or two, they just called it. So, I was in Fenway that day, which was cool, as cold and rainy as it was. So uh, when you were with the Red Sox, are you going to be like a roving kind of uh, coach? Or are you sticking strictly with the Sea Dogs? Strictly with Portland. I'll be with the Portland staff all year. And uh, based on what you did this week, is there any player like you're looking forward to working with you think will start the year out in Portland? Yeah, that's a great question. We definitely haven't um, finalized anything. And I think that, you know, it'll probably – take looking through spring training and seeing who develops and who's really ready for which level. Um, I would say some guys that I'm really excited to work with would be on the pitching staff, Chris Murphy, Andrew Politi, I think have great stuff. Um, Chase Schubert, if he's with us in Portland. Um, hitters, I think at a point might see Nick Northcutt, who's great, um, lower levels right now, but hopefully will advance. Um, Austin Lambright, we got from the Royals. So definitely a lot of exciting pitchers, I would say is the theme so far that I've found that is going to happen for the Sea Dogs this year, but also some um, on the pitching side, a, a great catcher that I really enjoyed getting to know this week is Cole Cottom. And I think he'll probably end up catching with the Sea Dogs this year. So yeah, so some really talented guys. Uh, were you able to talk to Cottom or Cassis about their experience in the Arizona Fall League? Is that anything, something you've experienced for yourself, having been with the Reds, being out in Arizona? Have not been to the AFL, have heard really good things. Um, didn't come up with Tristan or Cole. But, um, you know, you can tell, like, they they definitely have gotten their work in ever since the regular minor league season ended. Like, would not say there were any growing pains or dust that had to be shaken off. I mean, from day one of the camp on Monday, everybody was geared up and ready to go. And uh, beyond uh, Cottom, what did you think of the other catchers were there, if you got to interact with them? Like, I know Stephen Scott was there. He's not a natural catcher. 
Jack's Gross Grosshands had a, a pretty good year. So what do you think about them? Jack's really impressive. Um, I think his arm is probably what stood out to me the most, just really direct throws, clean movements and line. Um, in terms of Scotty, great makeup. You know, everybody that I know at Vanderbilt has said really great things about him and they were right. Um, in terms of catching and receiving, saw some really promising things and things that I'm looking forward to him developing. Um, primarily the camp was focused on kind of that, that drill work on the defensive side. So um, would say that I probably glimpsed more of them in that type of setting, not necessarily, you know, like game situations, but both looked really good. I know when you were talking with reporters the other day, you were asked about Bianca Smith, who wasn't there in Fort Myers this week, uh, but how much communication have you had with her since uh, you joined the Red Sox? Yeah, Bianca and I text almost two to three times a week. Um, we've had some really good phone conversations. She's given me awesome advice, not only on how to succeed at the Red Sox organization, but also as a woman in this type of a role. So she has been a fantastic mentor and friend from the minute that I signed my contract. And uh, did you two know, know each other beforehand, like last year, Any, anything like that? We spoke on a women in baseball panel together for the Sabre conference. So it was her, myself, and Janet Marie Smith, who's the EVP of, um, I believe it's ballpark construction at the Dodgers. You know, she was part of the Fenway renovation. She basically built Camden Yards. She's just an all-star in her realm of the game. So it was a good lineup. And speaking of Bianca, I mean, you guys are, have been shattering glass ceilings already, but um, what do you think is to come for a woman in baseball, I guess, to put it simply? That's a great question. I think we still need a female commissioner. I think we still need a female GM to win a World Series rings. I think for all the progress that has been made, there definitely needs to be more women at the assistant GM and director levels. You know, Raquel with the Red Sox, Gene Asherman with the Yankees, they've had phenomenal careers and they are huge proponents of having more women come in their wake. So I think MLB and teams need to be really proactive and aggressive in creating policies and cultures that allow women not only to get hired, but then also to stay and thrive. I know in that Boston Globe article you were first featured and uh, Bianca said her ultimate goal is to become a big league manager. Is that your end game as well? Or since you were have more of like a front office background, do you have other ambitions? That'd be awesome. Maybe I could be a coach on Bianca's staff someday when she manages. <laughs> she'd, be a, she'd be a great manager. Um, I definitely would say that I probably long-term am still interested in that GM track. Not to say that I do not want to spend a few years on the field or maybe even longer in a player development capacity. Um, but I think, especially with my MBA and, and the way that I've structured my career up to this point, I do think being the architect of a team and being in that type of role appeals to me a great deal. You said you're getting your MBA this spring, like is that like April, May kind of thing? Probably June. Um, oh. The University of Chicago is on the quarter system. So spring quarter should run from, I believe, end of March until I think June 4th is graduation with, which actually, Brendan, ironically, is not only my dad's birthday, but also is the anniversary of my first time, uh, my first day in professional baseball. It was the draft in 2018. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, how hectic has the pandemic made uh, getting your education and stuff? Actually, it's been one of the few silver linings. I think because so many classes are dual modality and that some folks are going in, some are online, I think I probably wouldn't have been able to graduate in basically less than two years if there hadn't been a pandemic and if I hadn't been able to take a few extra virtual classes. Um, so that has been one of the, the few positives.
And uh, earlier you mentioned uh, working with uh, Corey Wimberly, manager of the Sea Dogs. Do you get, have you guys finalized your coaching staff yet, or is that still a work in progress? The coaching staff is finalized um, for most of the affiliates, but they have not been announced. Yeah, I, I've been waiting for that personally. But, I mean, the Blue Sox did, but so last question for me. Uh, what does the rest of the like offseason look like for you? Like when are you going back to Fort Myers? When uh, is your report date for minor league spring training? Anything like that? Yeah, we should send out invites to um, camp, I believe, the end of next week. So I have a, a sense of when I'll be reporting, but nothing has been set in stone yet. All right. Well, um, Katie Carl, thank you very much uh, for joining me today. Thanks for your time. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to plug or promote before we go? No, really appreciate it, Brendan. Uh, you're a great interviewer, and I'm glad to have been on the show. Thank you so much. Please stay in touch. Yeah, no, maybe we'll see each other at Havelock Field this summer. Who knows? <laughs> Definitely. I can hook you up with some sea dogs here. All right. Thank you.